Welcome to the High Vibe Podcast, a show created for women who want to elevate their health, mindset, and spirituality. I'm your host, Tori Nishino, corporate girl turned full-time online health and lifestyle entrepreneur. Join me every week for a high vibe conversation that will inspire you to live your best, healthiest, and most high vibe life. Are you ready? Let's go. What is up, my beautiful people? Happy Friday. So today's podcast episode is going to be a little bit different. I'm just going to tell you my story with my eating disorder. This is something that I don't really talk about as much as I would like to because frankly, I'm not an expert when it comes to eating disorders and I sometimes feel just unqualified to talk about it because I don't have any medical or expert advice or opinions about this. I have my story, my thoughts, my experience, and hopefully just me being vulnerable and sharing this can help you. But I do want to state that if you are struggling with binge eating, eating disorder, disordered eating, body image issues, anything like that to seek medical help and professional help. There's so many people that are experts in this field and know exactly how to help you. And I cannot stress that enough that you're not alone in this. If you are someone that's struggling with an eating disorder, it is an extremely lonely mental illness, I would say, but it's, it's very lonely. And there's so much shame around it. And I want you to know you're not alone. There's a lot of women, unfortunately, that have struggled with this that just don't talk about about it and they stay silent about it. And so my goal is to share my story and hopefully give you the courage to start to reach out and ask for help if you haven't done that already. So I'm just going to share my story and give you some of my tips. But like I said, I am not an expert in this field. And I know that my journey might not look like yours. My eating disorder might not look like yours. The thoughts that were going on inside my head might not be the same that you're experiencing and that you're thinking and that you're feeling. And so everyone is very unique in their own experiences. Everyone's life experiences are different. So I'm going to share you my story. And my goal really with this podcast episode is just to give you the courage, the inspiration, the motivation to seek help. Because I want you to know that I have been free of my eating disorder I don't struggle with binging and purging anymore. I have a healthy relationship with food and it took a lot of years of healing. It didn't happen overnight, but I want you to know that if you're in the deep darkness of it, that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. So my eating disorder started when I was a freshman in college. I was on an ROTC, Army ROTC scholarship in college. Didn't join the Army, didn't finish my Army ROTC. It was not for me. That was not a lifestyle that I liked. But every, I think every month or every two months, something like that, we took a PT test. And for those of you that are unfamiliar with the military and the PT test, the Army test was you had a two-mile run that was timed, and then you had two minutes to do as many push-ups and two minutes to do as many sit-ups as you could without stopping, without taking a break, and without losing form. And I always struggled on the run. My push-ups and sit-ups were always pretty good, but I've always struggled with any type of long-distance running. I'm not a runner. Sometimes I'll go on runs, but 
they're more like brisk walks. I'm just not a runner. I've never been a long distance runner. Could I be? Sure. Do I like it enough to be a long distance runner? Absolutely not. I always played volleyball. So that is a very short court, small court, lots of sprinting, lots of fast reflexes. And that's something that I always loved. So I was not a runner and I always struggled with the run. And I remember this was a few tests in and I always struggled with the run and I all, because of, I always struggled with the run and it, I was on the slower end. I always had to do remedial training. And so this test in particular, I smoked it. I, I did an eight minute to uh, eight minute, two miles. So I did two miles in 16 minutes, which was super fast for me because I'm so slow. So I did my two miles in 16 minutes a little under 16 minutes, actually. I was like 15 something. And then I also just crushed the push-ups and crushed the sit-ups. So I smoked the test and I was so happy because I was like, I don't have to go to remedial training anymore. Meaning every day, Monday through Friday, I had to be there at 5 a.m. to work out. That sucked. As a freshman in college, that was not something that you wanted to do was be somewhere, report somewhere 5 a.m. Monday through Friday. Like, not at all. But I had to do that. I had to go to remedial training because I never passed the test. But this time I passed the test. So I was super excited. And then we did the height and weight. And I'm 5'2". So I am short, but I'm also thick. I think right now, even at my healthiest, most in shape that I've ever been in my entire life, if I were to get on the scale and according to the BMI calculator or metric, I would be technically overweight or slightly obese that that's just my body type. I'm, I'm heavy. I'm dense. Uh, I don't know exactly how much I weigh, but I know I've, I'm always comfortably somewhere in the 125 to 130 range at five, two, and maybe, maybe even more. Cause I've been putting on more muscle, but I honestly have no idea what I weigh. The only time that I know is when I go to the doctors and they take my height and weight, but I don't have a lot of body fat for a woman. Like I have a lot of muscle, but at this point in my life, my freshman year of college, I was not healthy. And I was very aware that I was not healthy. I didn't know how to eat. My idea with healthy and what healthy was, was eating 100 calorie snack packs and Diet Coke. I had no concept of nutrition, nutrients, food, vitamins, fiber, protein, anything like that. I was completely oblivious. My idea was I need to eat less than 1,200 calories a day. That was my idea of healthy. I just, I had no idea. I wasn't educated on this. I didn't grow up in a family where health and nutrition was a big thing. It was more so dieting and restricting calories. And it was just, it doesn't matter what you eat. It just matters how much you eat of it. So that was my mindset around nutrition. And when I went to college, I am a huge foodie and I love food. So I put on 10, 15 pounds. So I was well aware that I was heavier when I took this test, but I still passed the test with flying colors. But I, I knew that I was gaining weight. I could feel it in my clothes. When I looked in the mirror, I didn't really recognize myself. I knew I was gaining weight. It wasn't something that I was not aware of and oblivious to. But, and I was self-conscious about it too. And so I got on the scale and they took my measurements and they took my height and they took my weight and they told me that you're overweight, you're considered almost obese and you need to go to remedial training. Even though you passed the mile and the push-ups and the sit-ups, you have to go to remedial training because you're overweight. And they said that to me publicly in a room full of men. And I just remember feeling so, so ashamed, so embarrassed, right? I mean, 
us as women, if you're, if you're on the healthier side, you might be comfortable in your own body. But when I was carrying around that extra weight, I was not comfortable in my own body. Like that was emotional baggage. It was just weighing on me in more ways than just physical. So I was very aware of that. But to be told that in a room full of men, I just felt so much shame and embarrassment that I was considered overweight. I felt ugly. I felt unworthy. And I just, I remember being so embarrassed and I had no idea how to lose this weight. Like I said, my idea of losing weight was hundred calorie snack packs and diet Coke. I had no concept of eating healthy or nutrition or anything like that. I lived in the dorm. So cooking for myself wasn't really an option. And so I started just really watching how much food I was eating. I didn't change the quality. I was still eating nachos and chips and dairy and cookies and all of this stuff. I remember buying laxatives to try and just get it out of my system to try and like lose weight. I was like, okay, maybe if I get laxatives, I'll just get it out. Someone said that to me. So I was like, okay, laxatives, I'll get that. And then one time I just was like, well, I got so full off my meal. And I remember feeling so full. And I was like, what if I just throw it up? Like, what if I just get this out of my system? Like I was so full and so like sick. I, and I felt so much shame at how big I felt. And I was like, what if I just throw it up? What if I just get rid of it? And that's when it sparked. And before, and then I felt better. I instantly felt better when I got all of this junk food and tons of food out of my system and I felt better. And to me, that was my solution. And so I became bulimic for the next four to five years of my life. It was on and off. And I'm going to share the rest of that journey but I became bulimic and it was really, really bad. I obsessed about food. My cheeks got super puffy and because I was throwing up so much, I was throwing up multiple times a day. Literally it became after every meal, I started throwing up after every meal. And the thing is, I also at this point in my life discovered Adderall through studying through friends. And then I got prescribed Adderall. And if you've heard my other podcast episode, I was addicted to Adderall. And part of the reason why I was addicted to Adderall was it suppressed my appetite. So I had this bulimic issue, but then I also had this drug addiction to Adderall and it suppressed my appetite and Adderall became just my saving grace. It became the thing that gave me energy because I wasn't getting energy from food. And it also became the thing that was helping me lose weight because I wasn't eating as much. And then when I did eat, I would just purge. And I lost a lot of weight between that summer of that freshman year to my sophomore year. I lost a lot of weight. And I think I got down to maybe around 120. And that was the lightest I've ever been in a really long time. 120 to, is way too light for my body type. I know that there's other people that are 5'2 or taller than 5'2 that are 120. Everyone has different body types. And I cannot stress that enough. I cannot stress that enough. 120 for me, I would have to be on a severe caloric deficit to get to 120 because I am just dense. <laughs> I just have a dense body and I'm okay with that, which is why I don't own a scale anymore more, because I think the scale is bullshit. So I was addicted to Adderall. Adderall helped me lose the weight along with being bulimic. And the thing is, the reason why no one thought I had a problem, people thought I looked great. I kept on telling, hearing from people. I kept on hearing from people how great I looked, how much weight I lost, how much better I looked from my freshman year. And it just made me feel better. It made me feel confident. And I also felt so much shame because no one knew how I lost it. 
and I hardly ever ate and it was the Adderall and it was my eating disorder. And I wasn't on the side of unhealthy, right? Where you couldn't see my skin or bones. I still looked like I had muscle because I was 120, like I was still normal weight. I, I wasn't considered on the unhealthy end of skinny by any means. So no one knew that I had a problem. And for all of college, I struggled with this. I struggled with the shame, the guilt, the feeling of isolation. And I felt like I couldn't tell anyone. And I just remember always obsessing about food. I would always get nervous whenever there was big meals around or lots of dessert. I would just get nervous because I felt like I had no self-control or I would take an Adderall so I wouldn't want the food. And if I did eat the food, I remember having to like sneak away to go to the bathroom to go purge. It was horrible. It was really, really bad. And the only reason that I ever feel like my eating disorder even got a little bit better, like the binging and purging was because I was just taking so much Adderall, like an unhealthy amount of Adderall. That was all prescribed to me, by the way. And that was how I lost my weight with my, my eating disorder. And so I became obsessed about food. Food became this thing that was my enemy, but I loved it. And I just had this horrible relationship with food. I had this horrible relationship with my body as well. And it was just something that I was so ashamed of. And I remember when I was trying to quit my Adderall. So I was on and off trying to quit my Adderall for a really long period of time. And this is after I graduated college and I was working full time. And I was still taking Adderall and I haven't binged and purged in a really long time because I just took so much Adderall that I just hardly was ever eating any food. And so it wasn't like my eating disorder and my relationship with food ever got better. It was just, I found something that kind of masked, masked it essentially. And so when I was trying to quit my Adderall, then food, I started having cravings with food. I started wanting more food again. And then the ideas and thoughts of binging and purging started to come into my mind again, which really terrified me because I didn't want to go back there. I didn't want to go back to binging and purging. But like I said, I had no idea how to feel my body. I had no idea how to eat right or anything like that. And so I had this battle and this fear that if I stopped taking my Adderall, I would spur up my eating disorder again and I would be back to being bulimic and that terrified me and so I remember I was about honestly six months into my relationship with Garrett we weren't dating for a super long time to share stuff like this that felt very heavy and very shameful and I remember telling him that I had an eating disorder in college but I didn't really tell him that I had it anymore because I wasn't binging and purging. But that fear was inside of me that I was going to gain weight, that the cravings would come back if I stopped taking Adderall. And I remember him telling, telling him that and he was like, oh, you were anorexic? And I said, no, I was bulimic. And to me and my thoughts and my thought process was bulimic was so much worse than being anorexic because to me, bulimic just meant I had no self-control. I literally couldn't even stop myself from eating food. I had no self-control when it came to my binging, literally. And to me, when I looked at someone that was anorexic, I met some people that were anorexic. I almost envied their eating disorder. That's how sick I was that I was like, oh, well, they have self-control. Like they must be better than me. 
<laughs> that that was the thoughts, honestly. And I'm, I feel so horrible saying that because everyone is going through their own battle 100%. I realize that now, but just that was the place that I was in. I felt so much shame around it. And I felt like I was worse of a human than someone that was anorexic because I couldn't even control my eating. So I remember telling him that and then telling him I was bulimic and feeling so much shame around it. And he still accepted me and he still loved me. And he asked me if I still had that issue now. And I said, no, I don't think so. But I didn't tell him about the Adderall. I didn't tell him I had a problem with Adderall. And I didn't tell him that I wanted to quit Adderall and I was scared of it coming back up. That was just my first step of being vulnerable and telling the truth for the first time in my life. And then later on, I told him that I had a problem with Adderall. And I told him I was addicted to Adderall. And I told him I was scared to, that I, I couldn't learn how to eat, that I would gain weight without it. And I was just terrified. I was terrified of gaining that 20 pounds again, honestly. I felt like if I didn't have my Adderall, that I was just going to go on a binging surge. And all of that weight for my freshman year that I was traumatized of gaining was going to come back. And I remember telling him that. And I said, I think I'm going to find help. I need to find help. I need to find help to get over this. And it was about honestly four to five months of seeking different life coaches and therapists to try and find help to heal my relationship with food and my eating disorder and my fear of that eating disorder coming back when I would stop taking the Adderall and then also trying to stop taking the Adderall. And what happened Long story short, if you heard the Adderall podcast episode, I threw out my Adderall and I got rid of it and I went cold turkey after about five months of going on and off, on and off, on and off with various therapists. And I never found a therapist that worked for me. I never found someone that I connected with that gave me the professional help that I thought I needed. So I'm not saying that therapy doesn't work. I'm saying that for my own personal story and my journey, I was unsuccessful with it. I was unsuccessful finding someone that could help me with my own healing. And it was something that I just had to go through myself. And the one thing that truly saved me with my relationship with food and eating, honestly, was learning what food is meant to be. And also another thing that truly saved me was I watched this documentary called Forks Over Knives. And after I watched that documentary about Forks Over Knives and I learned about the power of food and the power of plants and the so much unhealthy food that I was putting into my body with cream and cheese and dairy and ice cream and eggs and animals and animal products. And I realized how unhealthy I was because I was eating all of that. I just, I switched my diet to a whole foods plant-based diet. And that changed everything for me. It really did. I, I looked at food as fuel. I looked at food as a source of energy and something that could help me flourish. It could help me thrive. It could give me natural energy and it could replace that Adderall. It could replace the artificial energy and focus that I was getting from my Adderall. And I looked to food as that source. And I looked to food as medicine and not as this thing that I couldn't touch or this thing that I needed to restrict myself. I looked at food as fuel. And that mindset did not happen overnight. And I want to stress that a lot. It did not happen overnight. This was my personal journey. 
though. And when I switched to a whole foods plant-based diet, when I watched that documentary, Forks Over Knives, and when I learned about the power of food and plants and what it does for the human body, that was my first time ever learning how important food is. And that and being healthy isn't just restricting yourself. It isn't just drinking Diet Coke and eating 100 calorie snack packs and trying to eat less than 1200 calories a day. That's not what health is. Health is eating an abundance of food that is healthy for you, that you're meant to eat and that your body can thrive off of. And lots and lots of vegetables and whole foods and plants and beans and legumes. And once I realized that, everything changed for me. It was like the first time that I just flipped the switch and I was like, oh, like this is what food is meant for. Food is not meant for comfort. Food is not meant to binge. Food is not meant to be addicted to. Food is not meant for any of that. And I realized when I changed my mindset on what the purpose of food is and food is fuel, that's when things started to change for me. And I started to look at food differently. And another thing that helped a lot was because I struggled a lot with desserts. I struggled a lot with cheese. I struggled a lot with dairy. So those were the foods that I felt super vulnerable around. And when I eliminated them for ethical reasons and environmental reasons, when I eliminated dairy, when I eliminated ice cream, when I eliminated any type of meat, it just made it easier because all of the options that I was super sensitive to and all of the food that usually I had no self-control over just no longer was an option. I just cut it out of my idea of even being an option to eat. And so that helped me a lot. And I know that's not going to be relatable to everyone. And like I said, like this podcast episode is really just meant to give you my own story and my own journey and let you guys know that you're not alone and you have your own story and your own journey as well. And that was my process of change was flipping that switch, educating myself on food. And that was my first step of healing was educating and I would be lying if I didn't come across times where I binge ate to this day and overate on food and the thought of, oh, it would just feel good to get this out of my system, like just to purge it. Like if that thought just didn't come across, it's come across before. Have I done it? No, but it's come there very, very rarely, very rarely does it come, but it does, it does come. And I want you to know that if you have those thoughts and you're on the process and on your journey of healing, those thoughts and those urges might come back. And it doesn't make you a horrible person. It doesn't make you a failure. But the goal ultimately is to try and really make the time in between those urges and those thoughts longer and longer and longer. And when you make them longer and longer, you realize your own power. You realize your own strength. And you realize that those urges and those thoughts do not define you and you do not have to give in to them. And that was my own personal journey with my eating disorder. And it was ugly and it was messy and it was shameful and I felt guilty. And I had so many negative feelings about myself and negative thoughts about myself that I was constantly tearing myself down. And I never in a million years thought I would be where I am today, where I'm actually coaching and helping other women with nutrition and with fitness and with their bodies and with their mindset. Literally never in a million years did I think I would be where I'm at right now. 
because I was in a dark and lonely place. So I want you to know if you're in the trenches right now, if you're feeling isolated, alone, shameful, guilty, there's so much shame around eating disorders. I want you to know you're not alone. And I want you to know also that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and to never give up on yourself. So I want to leave you with three things that I think would be helpful. And the first thing is I want you to tell someone that you trust or that you can confide in. And maybe that's me. Maybe that's an influencer. Maybe that's someone that you don't really know in your own world right now, but you've met on social media, but tell someone. It is so powerful when you can finally get out your secrets and your shame and your guilt and you just, you let it out to even one person. It is like a huge weight is lifted off your shoulders because you're no longer just trying to carry the shame and guilt and you're not alone anymore. So the first thing that I can say is tell someone. That's the first step, just being honest. And it might terrify you. It might scare you. And if you have no one that you feel like you can talk to, you can tell me. I want you to know that you, you can tell me my DMs, my email are always open and I'm always here to help. And if you feel like you just need to get it out, you can tell me, I want you to know that free of judgment, free of judgment, no shame, no judging here. I've seen a lot of stuff and I've been through a lot of stuff. So I want you to know you're not alone in that sense. The second thing is start seeking and researching and trying to find professional help or experts in this field, experts on eating disorders, on mental health, on food and nutrition, start seeking out help. Maybe even watching that documentary, Forks Over Knives, might help you just realize the power of food, but it might not do the same thing for you as it did for me. And that's okay, but there's so many incredible humans that are experts and that have made it their mission to help people with eating disorders and with this. And I think that in that sense, social media is such a beautiful thing because you can literally use it as a search engine to go find these people. You don't, you're not limited to what your insurance has to offer. You're not limited to just therapists or psychologists or psychiatrists or whatever. You can find so many people that have actually gone through this themselves and have educated themselves and have been become experts in this field that can help you through it. So do your research, seek out medical professional expert advice and help and knowledge. There's so much out there. We have the internet and we have social media. So use it to your advantage. The third thing that I want to leave you with is I want you to be compassionate on your journey of recovery. Like I said, you might still have those thoughts and those urges. They might still come up. They might never go away. And that's okay. It doesn't make you broken. It doesn't make you a horrible human or anything like that. And I want you to know the goal might not be to ever just eliminate that, but to really lengthen the amount of time that you have between those urges and those thoughts and those negative feelings and to make those periods longer and longer. And if they do come up, it's okay. If you do have a regression or relapse, it's okay. It's not going to be a, a linear progression. And I want you to know that. might look like the stock market. <laughs> and that's okay. Have compassion on your journey and know that every day you are growing and you are trying and never give up on yourself. So hopefully this podcast episode was helpful for you. If it was, please take a screenshot, share it on your stories. I know it's one of those that a lot of people don't talk about, 
there's a lot of shame around this. So if you don't feel comfortable talking about it publicly, you can always just send me a DM and let me know. And I will see you next week. Bye guys. Thank you so much for tuning in and being a part of the High Vibe community. If you loved this episode, I would be so grateful if you could leave a review or take a screenshot and share it with a friend so more women can find this podcast. For more on me, visit torinishino.com or find me on social media just by searching my name. Until next time, friends, live your high vibe life.